Today is Tuesday, which makes tomorrow Wednesday and a win tickets Wednesday, which means it's your chance to win free stuff. Concert tickets, game tickets. It's different every week. What did we give away last week? Was it... Uh, Oh, it's Guns and Roses, right? I was going to say Bon Jovi. Guns Control and Roses. There it is. We got jazz tickets this week. Tomorrow, listen for your chance to win tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings. They're playing Saturday. Uh, it's all courtesy of your local Ford stores. Purchase a Ford fans on all you can eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, nachos, popcorn, soda, and ice cream. Tickets start as low as $37 at utahjazz.com, courtesy of your local Ford stores. It's a win tickets Wednesday. Tomorrow. Be here tomorrow morning. Plus, we have Life of Riley tomorrow. Get Riley Nelson and Riley Jensen yeah. in here talking football. And we're going to have BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, the Grime Dog, at Sweet. 7.15. Sweet. Nice. Way to go, Yock. So the Grime Dog coming on. Look forward to that tomorrow at 7.15. Talk a little BYU football with him on, uh, sure. on a bye week. Yeah, particularly in, in the bye week, yeah, and... You know, what are they going to do? And what they did was spectacular. There's no other way to say it, man. It was so awesome. Got to make big plays. That fourth and one touchdown pass, massive. And then hitting them with another play. After you've been burned with one trick play, I don't know, you expect another one. And there it is. It's a reverse. Oh, he's pitching back to the quarterback. They're throwing deep. Those are two huge scores as they hold on for that 28-25 win. They needed the cushion. Oh, for sure, yeah. And then the way they played, too, was just different than anything that I've seen. You know, when they played and beat SC... It was more traditional in the way you expected. But the way they played against Boise was unlike anything that they have done all season. That's what made it so awesome. And when a a team is down, and basically everybody and their dog was dumping on them, their own ex-players weren't picking them to win and with legitimate reason. And then to come up with that effort... (laughs) They have beaten Tennessee, USC, and Boise State and lost to Toledo in South Florida. Am I the only one who's confused? Because I'm confused. Right, and then Toledo gets drilled by Ball State in <laughs> South Florida, like 35-3 to to Navy. Awful. I mean, so those aren't good teams, and you lost to both of them, and, and uh, then you just have such an inspirational effort. It was, it was better than the U.S. hockey team. <laughs> Reference that most of our audience no longer gets. <laughs> well, the movie Miracle on Ice. I saw it. I seen it too. I thought it was pretty good too. I did a good job with it. I seen it. Seen it. Yeah. I seen it. And so that's what I compare that to. The miracle at the Ed. That's what that was. The miracle at the Ed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> Tell Jeff Grimes tomorrow that it was a miracle. Well, no one saw it coming, so that's a miracle. If you don't see anything that you can realistically, under any scenario, expect to have happen, and it does happen, that's a miracle. What's the definition of a miracle? (laughs) In a football sense, that was a miracle. No one saw that coming. And they did it. Third team this, second team that, and they did it. Yeah. That was a miracle. A football miracle. It was really, it was stunning. (laughs) It was. Jeff, I want to talk to you about that miracle on Saturday. It was. (laughs) Now, they got their nose to the grind and all that stuff, and that's what they have to do, but that's not what I do. I'm I'm a voice of the fan. 
That's I never played the game. I don't know if I ever told you that, but I never played it. Oh, I've heard. I'm a voice of the fan. I haven't heard that since yesterday. And that was a stunner. He never put on a jackstrap. He never will. That was you yesterday. Right. It's the <laughs> truth. I've got to be. I got to come clean. I can't pretend to be something I'm not. I'm not athletic. I'm not actually. A, you are. I'm not an athlete. Nah, that's not true. I don't think. I can play a little golf, do a little bench press. Other than that. <laughs> DJ PK, and we're joined now by Jeff Ferrato, publisher of Cal Maven. He covers the Cal Bears. Jeff, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing today? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. I'm curious. You know, we I'm have people. Freezing when I get there uh, this week. Uh, not as bad as last week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I mean, you're gonna think it's, it's cold. Seventy five here today. <laughs> as as two guys who lived in California, I grew up in California. Uh, you're gonna think it's cold. You know, but okay. Ber- Berkeley gets cold, so cold's not bad. You can live with that. You're I'll not, be ready. You're not going to freeze. So here's a question. Is the Cal offense going to be ready? Because the Cal defense has been remarkably consistent. They've been good. But an offense that never broke 30 points with Garbers at quarterback, but always got to 20, now suddenly can't get to 20 with Monster there. Is anything going to change? Or did you watch that Utah-ASU game and think uh, Cal's, Cal's going to struggle, struggle to do anything? Uh, the latter. <laughs> Absolutely. They're going to struggle. Um, you know, Chase Garbers is not walking through that door this week. Maybe, maybe after the bye or a week or so after that, they, they do hope to get him back this season, but it's not going to be yet. Uh, we don't even know if Modster can play. And, you know, we don't really know much yet about Spencer Brash. He was put in the most impossible situation, played two series trailing. Uh, the last time he got the ball, they had it on the eight-yard line with 57 seconds left and no timeouts, and he had no chance. I mean, he might be a good player someday, but it's going to be an awful lot to get him up to speed in time to play this defense. So I'd say it's going to be a real struggle for Cal's offense this week. You look at Garbers, and they were 4-0, right? And and I think they were leading when he went out against the Devils. And basically, their he offense had, is just falling off the face of the earth. That's, I mean, he was that important. They don't have somebody else who can at least do something. Well, I think we're all a little surprised by the drop off from him to Garbers because they did compete in the spring and in fall camp for the starting job. Right. But the situation is more complicated than just the quarterback. Um, their offensive line is is pretty much gone. They lost one starter before the first game. One starter. In the first game, those guys aren't back. They're not coming back. They've lost a third starter, the center, Michael Safel, um, didn't play in the last game after being hurt in the Oregon game. And then a fourth starter, uh, Valentino Del Toso, who flips back and forth from uh, tackle to guard, currently is playing guard, um, uh, has been kind of limping around for the last month. Uh, he's trying to play, but he's not at his best. But basically, they're playing with a very young, inexperienced offensive line. They're getting experience because they've been playing much of this season, but these are the guys they thought would be their backups. Um, and so that's really hurt them. They had, you know, they gave up nine sacks to Oregon State for crying out loud. Um, it's hard to imagine what it might be this week. Um, you know, I, I think I had a guy who actually emailed me and said, can they put in the Wildcat? And they, I mean, people are desperate for looking for ideas for, for different ways Cal can approach its offense. Um, I think they just need to get healthy, and that's not going to happen in time for Utah. So it's going to be a problem. 
So basically, regardless of anything else, that offensive line isn't going to be able to block Utah's defensive line. So it comes down to then, can the defense win the game? I mean, this is shutouts are rare in college football, but if you hold a team to 10 points or less, you got a chance. The defense has been really good this year. All the numbers say it, the eyeball test says it. Can the defense be that good? Well, that, that's obviously a question that, you know, I, <clears throat> I think even if Cal's offense was healthier, they would have a hard time against this Utah defense, which looks tremendous, uh, especially against the run. Um, the problem with Cal's defense, um, and they have been very good and very consistent, but the one difference between what they did last year and what they're doing this year is last year they generated turnovers. They had 21 interceptions last year, which I believe was second in the nation. They have three this year. That's it. After seven games, um, they're stopping the, you know, they're holding teams to 18 points a game, which is very good. It's not Utah good, but it's good. Um, but they're not taking the ball away. They're not giving their offense short fields. They're not creating those situations that give them easy scores that they really need because this is an offense that has a hard time driving 70, 80 yards. Um, so, and you know, Utah does not turn the ball over much. Um, I suppose if Huntley were unable to play, one of the backups got in and, and coughed it up once or twice, or they forced a couple of turnovers, that might help Cal stay in the game. They really do need to win the turnover battle. Excuse me. They need to win the turnover battle. They need to create some short fields. And if they if they can do that, well, maybe they stay in the game. If they don't do that, I don't see any way they can um, compete. So their goal now, after being ranked and all that, is it simply just to get bowl eligible? Well, yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, how easy does that look? UCLA suddenly, admittedly, it was against a Stanford team that has kind of the same problems Cal has with offensive line and quarterback issues, but suddenly, you know, UCLA showed some signs of life last week, and, um, you know, Cal hasn't beaten – Stanford since the Truman administration. So, you know, we don't know if that's going to happen, even though Stanford's not very good this year. Uh, but they need to find two more wins, and that might not even be enough because there's enough teams sort of on a track to become bowl eligible in a conference that six wins might not do it. So um, it, the numbers are getting difficult for Cal. Jeff Ferrato, join us, publisher of Cal Maven. He covers the Cal Bears. So, is this coaching staff, which before the injury seems to have things on an upswing, are they having a big recruiting year, even if this year doesn't work out in a north that looks really difficult? Is Cal about ready to take a, another step forward? They're recruiting okay. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're not going to have a recruiting year like, like USC and Oregon typically will have. Uh, they haven't done that so far. They, they pretty much recruit a diet of three-star guys and try to develop them and um, they've got um, a quarterback they just signed last week. They're, I think they're probably excited about. Um, but, you know, their issue next year will be that they lose, or they're going to lose a lot of key guys on defense, including Evan Weaver, probably Cam Bynum, uh, who is a junior and probably will leave. Um, and so, you know, the defense is going to lose kind of the heart and soul of some of the guys that make it so good. Um, so they're going to have to be better on offense, and everybody knows that. Um, I figured if they could average 25 points a game this year, they'd be very good. But right now they're averaging 19 or 19.9, I think. Um, and the problem is not that they're averaging 19, is that right now that looks like their ceiling. You know, it doesn't look like anytime soon they're going to score 30. Uh, like you said, they, haven't even, they didn't even do that with Garbers. I think they're on their way to it at that point because they were starting to figure it out. Um, but now that you're down to your second or maybe third string quarterback, that's just probably not realistic. 
Evan Weaver, I think he led the nation in tackles last year and is obviously doing very well as a linebacker. What makes him so good? Well, he's a guy who thinks he should make every tackle on every play. He's just got a motor that just keeps going. He's very aggressive. He's smart. He understands what they're look, what he's looking at. He he runs that defense and puts guys in position. Um, so he understands way more than just what his responsibility is. Um, he's a very good tackler. Uh, that goes without saying. I mean, when you get that many tackles, but he's just aggressive and has a sense that this is his responsibility. And you know, he's had. Four games this year with 15 tackles or more, which is the most anybody in the country has. He's had two games with 20 or more. I don't think anybody else has done that. Um, you know, the other day he had, I think he had eight in the first quarter, and we're thinking he's going to get 30 tackles today. Um, and if he did that some game, I wouldn't be totally stunned because he just keeps playing. He's been fortunate to not be nicked up at all. He's been very healthy. Um, he's t- learned to take care of himself and get his rest and take care of his body and let it recover. Because he did admit uh, after one of their games when he had 18 or 20 tackles, he was asked, you know, what's, what's your body feel like after you have that many collisions? And he says it's pretty sore the next day. Um, so I think, you know, the abuse that you take when you have that many tackles is different than if you have five tackles. Um, but he has stayed healthy. He stayed productive. He's the one guy on that team you always know what you're going to get. Jeff Barato joining us here, publisher of Cal Maven. He covers the Cal Bears. Uh, if you're handicapping the race right now, obviously it looks like Oregon is going to win the North. Do you think they're going to win the conference regardless of who they face? Well, not necessarily. I think I think Utah – I understand that Utah needs someone to beat USC, but I think that still can happen. USC's got some injury things cropping up. Um, I don't trust – USC has been a consistent of a program at this point as as Utah is. Um, <clears throat> I think an Oregon-Utah Pac-12 championship game would be tremendous. Um, those are two of the great defenses in the country. Oregon does have a lot of offense, but I think you know Utah with Huntley and Moss, and uh, I think that'd be a great game. Um, so I'm sure that Utes fans out there are thinking, you know, they can still get to the Rose Bowl, and it's possible. I think that would be a fantastic game. You know, even before the injury, the offense hasn't been that productive, and they brought in Bo Baldwin from Eastern Washington, supposed to be all that. But it's been a multi multi year problem. What's the issue inherently that the offense can't really get going in a game where we see a lot of offense now with all the rules? Well, that's a great question, and there's a lot of Cal fans out there who are very frustrated because they went from Sunny Dykes where they could score at will, but they couldn't stop anything. And, and now it's sort of flip-flopped, and, and you wonder, you know, is there a way that we could, you know, score 30 points in the game someday? And, and with the defense they have, could they, could they mix those two together? They don't need to be mutually exclusive, obviously. Um, you know, they've had injury problems, especially on the line. They're, they don't have the kind of depth that an established program has. You know, they didn't have a good talent level when they came in, um, and – it, you know, when, you, when you're recruiting the level of guys that they generally get, which, are, like I said, those three-star guys, you know, and, and uh, you know, it only means so much. But what it really means is that you're probably not getting ready-made players. You're getting guys you have to develop. Um, and I think they feel like they're on the path to developing some depth. And then all of a sudden they get decimated by a bunch of injuries on their line. Then their first and second string quarterbacks get hurt in the same season. 
And it feels like every team in the league practically has had a quarterback injury this year. Um, and, you know, so uh, I think they're going to be patient with Baldwin. He is a good offensive coach, but they haven't been dynamic. They haven't been particularly creative a lot. Um, and some of that has to do with sort of what their manpower is. They went from in the Dykes era, they gave out like 15 scholarships to wideouts, and they were just loaded with talented wide receivers. And then they got to a point a year or so ago where they didn't feel like they had very many at all, and they started to build that up again. Um, but, you know, it's it has certainly been a laborious work in progress to get this offense to be uh, even, you know, even halfway good. You know, as a whole, the Pac-12 needs to up its reputation nationally, and there's some things they can't control, time zones and all that. But winning big intersectional games is something maybe they can control. We see from Stanford and USC, who seem to want to play three tough games, to Arizona and Washington State, who don't want to play any tough games. Utah just puts it all on how good BYU is or isn't in any given year and then has two wins after that. But it seems like Utah's starting to change the way they're scheduling the future. Cal seems to want to play one decent game. They got Ole Miss, TCU, and Auburn on the schedule, but never in the same year. Is that going to change, or is that pretty much who they are and that scheduling philosophy pretty consistent? Well, their philosophy has been to play, you know, one Power Five, one of the legit uh, FBS team, and then and then a third game. And I think that's sort of what what they're doing. Um, I don't think you're going to see them play. Uh, and you know an SEC team, and in the same year they're playing a, a Big Ten school. Um, you know, I don't think Cal's scheduling model is a problem. I think you know they're playing one pretty good team most years, and you're scheduling years out, so you really don't know how good Ole Miss is going to be. But it's an SEC team; they played them on the road and beat them. Um, at one point, that was probably the Pac-12's best win early in the year. Um, and, you know, and Ole Miss isn't real good, obviously. But, um, you know, it, I don't think they're going to get Alabama to play a home-and-home. Home. You know, I'm not sure they're going to get LSU to do that. Um, the scheduling could be difficult, and, and um, some of those schools just aren't coming out here. You know, they're just not doing it. Um, and so uh, I think their schedule model is, is realistic and, and for who they are and what they can get accomplished. And, and it seems like it's representative. I mean, they're playing one team that's probably pretty decent, you know, um, and then they're playing a, a middle-of-the-road FBS team, and then they're playing a game they know they're going to win. Uh, you know, Alabama plays two or three of those games every year. Jeff Ferrato, publisher of Cal Maven, covers the Cal Bears. Jeff, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking with us. Sure thing, guys. Take care. Have a good week. Paints an ugly picture there for Cal. No quarterback. No offensive line to speak of. Injuries riddling them. The U defense ought to dominate again. Well, I thought they would have dominated either way. And so you add that. It's more domination. Yeah, it's a nice tune-up for the big game next week. I was thinking of this as kind of, if not a top-tier game, a second-tier game in the conference, but it really hasn't played out to be that way. Not now. If you would have gotten, as I've told you many times, it matters when you play When you play, you play somebody. Yeah, if right. you would have got them in September... That's a whole other ball game. But it's not. You're getting them at the end of October, and they suck right now. There's no other way to say it. And I'm sure, and attribute it to injuries, and you wouldn't expect a program like Cal to be running out a bunch of four stars. Which four stars are going to start? Doesn't work that way at Cal. They're scratching and clawing. Wilcox did a good job, but they don't have any depth. They got battered, and 
monster. Looks like he could be a backup at Utah. He's not very good. And now he could potentially be out. And they got another kid, this brash kid, by the way, he's from Arizona, another uh, Valley of the Sun kid, quarterback who left the state. And, but, but he's barely, you know, he's wet behind the ears. And against this defense, we already saw what it, what Utah did to a, to a kid who had six starts under his belt. <laughs> and then this other one has zero here. So, yeah, if they would have got him – when Washington played them, that's another story. But they're not. They're fortunate enough to get them now, and they're going to roll. I, I, I suspect this will be a bigger wipeout. I just hope that you know the Cal players, they're, they're not too mean. Vegas odds makers have seen all of it, and they are completely on board with the Utes. They've got them favored. Oh, I'd say by 17, 18 points. 19. Yeah. Spread is 19. Yeah. They got uh, Oregon by 14 over Washington State. So looking for a lot of... A lot of blowouts there. They do have uh, your Sun Devils as a four. Probably like, I was going to say three. Four. Four at UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, the Bruins got a little jolt uh, right now. And and the Devils, they don't ever blow anybody out anyway. That's actually a solid point right there. So It's not how they're playing. It's not how they're built right now. Right. So, And, of course, uh, Utah needs USC to lose. USC is 4-0 at home, 0-3 on the road. They are on the road this week at Colorado, and Vegas has them as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. I would think they win, yeah. And Colorado looks like they've regressed. They do. They they did some promise early, but, man, Oregon really took it to them. That was was a beating. Yeah, that that was absolutely. That was a week ago Friday, right? And they just drilled them. Yeah. I mean, the the Devils, as they look at their schedule, losing to Utah is no shame, but losing to Colorado at home is shame. Yeah. After that Oregon loss, they absorbed a beating from Washington State. So they've lost three in a row now with the Arizona game that was was in the balance, and they lost it. Mm -hmm. But the last two, they weren't even close. Right. Taking on water now. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 12.80 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Patriots improved to 7-0 for just the third time in club history. By the way, the other two teams were 7-0, didn't win the Super Bowl. Lost an AFC title game to the Broncos and Peyton Manning, and of course famously were 18-0 when they lost the Super Bowl to the Giants. But they're 7-0 after shutting out the Jets and intercepting Sam Darnold four times. Jazz open the season tomorrow night. The NBA opens tonight. Pelicans and Raptors, 6 o'clock on TNT. Zion Williamson, surgery to repair a torn meniscus. He's out six to eight weeks. He'll miss the opener. He'll also miss the Pelicans' first game with the Jazz. Battle for L.A., Lakers and Clippers, 8.30 tonight on TNT. Also, the World Series starts tonight. Houston and Washington in Houston. Astros at home, and they're throwing Garrett Cole against the Nationals. Max Scherzer. Game starts at 6 o'clock on Fox. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? 
Qualtrics has renewed their deal with Utah Jazz for the jersey patch to continue the support for Five for the Fight. The CEO of the Larry H. Miller Group of Companies, he's Steve Starks. I think it speaks to Qualtrics, it speaks to the Jazz, what we stand for, and, and you know what, our fans have really rallied around it. It's something that they're proud of. Cancer impacts every one of us, and so the fact that we can use that global brand of the Jazz to be able to help bring awareness to such an important thing and partner with really one of the greatest companies in the world for what they've done is special to us, and that they're extending that is even makes it more remarkable. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. My family's really, really excited about it. I was told Steve, I don't think anybody's more happy than my wife Amy. My kids are a little bit too young to understand how rare it is for a coach to be able to have an opportunity with one team to feel a commitment from that group. And the group of players that we've had over the time that I've been here, obviously, especially the group we have now, I think I'd be sick to my stomach if I saw someone else coaching this team. There he is, the head coach of the Jazz, and apparently the head coach for a while longer, Quinn Snyder. Although not terribly surprising coming off 350-win seasons, a couple of playoff series won, he was going to get an extension. Stability's the code word here in Utah, not just with the Jazz, but we saw Lavelle Edwards have a long run, Kyle Whittingham's having a long run. Yeah, right, you can go down the list. Rick Majerus did 15 years on the job. There are a lot of coaches who've had long runs here. Well, the GM who hired him is still here, too. Chris Hill, 30 years. Right. The guy who brings you in, that's going to up your odds. Because you're his guy. Yeah. It's the right move. So we don't know for how much longer, but uh, he had two years on his deal, and now he's got more on the end of that. So pretty I think he'll be think a 15-year coach here, minimum. That's a good bet. And I think the thing is it sends a message to the league Stability wins. You want stability from ownership to management to players to training staff to all the folks involved. We got it. And obviously the roster. You can't have massive turnover there. You're going to have some turnover every year. Some years are going to be more than others. And Joe Ingles gets another year on the end of his contract. He had two, so this is a third. He's just turned 32, so this will be the year he's 34, 21-22 season. That also sends the message, hey, you're a guy, you can live the dream here. And they're out constantly looking for the, the next guy that they can find who slipped through the cracks. You play in Europe, we'll bring you over. G League, roster, rotation, starter, $50 million deal, you can live the dream here. He's, he's a younger guy, he's not as as far down that path, but Royce O'Neal is kind of going down that same road. So you send a message to all the guys, hey, we're going to take a shot somewhere. Take a shot in Utah, because look how they treat people. Well, and develop guys, too. Yeah. Not just treat them, but develop them. They'll make you better, and then they'll give you a deal, and they'll make you more, a little better, and then they'll give you another deal. And if you love them, speaking of the fans, they'll, they'll love you love back. They'll love you back. It's not hard to figure out how to do this. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. The risk is, how good is Joe going to be at 34? <laughs> as a $14 million player. Yeah, but the the thing with Joe is you give him five minutes, you give him twenty five minutes. Yep, whatever. And he doesn't need a lot of shots. And the thing is, some of the skill pa- skills he has, well, some stuff erodes at thirty four. It just does, but some doesn't. And as a three point shooter, I expect he's going to be forty four, and he's going to be able to shoot three pointers. So he ought to be, always be able to give you that skill. Well, as long as he got his health, I totally agree. Right. I mean, you look at Hornacek. 
And I think he could shoot till he's 150, but he ran out of health. And I think that we've seen across the NBA that the run in the pick and roll gives you a chance to extend your career. Put a team in a scramble. Yeah. Yeah, but can you defend? How well do you move? Because we've seen once a team, especially in the playoffs, which this team, you know, as long as they keep this core together, they look like a playoff team for the foreseeable future. You know, if you can't defend, you will get targeted in the playoffs big time. The Jazz did it to Carmelo. They didn't think he could move. They didn't think he could stay in front of anybody. There was nowhere for Oklahoma City to hide him. Whoever had a shot took him apart. Right, so, I agree. Well, that'll I don't some. get. I get why they gave it to him, and there's benefits even if he isn't, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be 100% of what he is now then, or if he'll be 90%, if he'll be 80%, whatever. There are benefits aside from that because of the story it tells, and it's a year. Joe just can't quit us. I mean, that's the bottom line. There you go. That's it. This is all a backdrop to extending the Joe Ingles show with DJ and PK. Yach, we're efforting that, right? Thursday mornings again? It'll be perfect. They play the opener at home Wednesday night. I've been told we're supposed to have them on Thursday morning. Sweet. We're looking forward to that Thursday. Because I was getting... I was actually getting people tweeting at me about that. We've had people asking in all September. Summer. Yeah, well, like, well, well, people all summer are like, Joe, why don't you just call in from Australia and join us? Because it's vacation and exactly you got to well, shut it down for a while. He spent a lot of his summer in China anyway. Also true. Right. But when he, yeah. but when he came back to Utah, that was when the social media stuff started. So whenever, bring him on. Yeah, I'm gonna die here, man. I know you're coughing up a storm. I just keep. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Let's not. Which do that. actually funny when you hear that, and then you hear him sing "I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It." It's kind of the same thing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that was. I good. kissed a girl and I liked it. I hear the similarities. All right, that was the jazz news we talked about, and then uh, Zion Williamson. Come on. The Pelicans and the Raptors. Now, these teams may not have much juice later this year, so the NBA puts them on opening night. The defending champ versus the number one pick. The defending champs lost the star player. Kawhi Leonard's gone. And now the Pelicans have lost the number one pick. Zion Williamson, knee surgery, six to eight weeks, torn meniscus. Sucks for him, yeah. It's disappointing. For me, I'll just tune in the World Series. So I'm good to go. 6 o'clock on Fox and 6 o'clock on TNT. They both start at the same time. And then when that's uh, winding down, we got the Lakers and Clips. Up, so Now you're talking. Yeah, yeah. My net's taken care of. Hopefully the kid don't need no, need no help with homework. Would you be the one helping anyway? <laughs> Depending on what the uh, subject is, yes. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Really? What? And what are you majoring in? Well, if there's any writing stuff, she comes oh, to me. Oh, there it is. Of course. The written word. Yeah. Walter Cronkite lessons passed down. Uh, and Spanish. She comes to me. Sweet. I would think she'd be tutoring you in Spanish. Well, I was going to say <laughs> most of it. Yeah, she knows the words. Uh, and I just quiz her on it. Oh, there you go. I mean, I have the answers. Yeah. Got it. <clears throat> world Series tonight. Who you got? Oh, I'm going Cole. Cole, you can't bet against him. Even though Max Scherzer is just this total gamer. Don't the Nationals remind you a little bit of the Diamondbacks? I mean, in that era, no one really wanted to go against the Yankees because they won three in a row and four out of five. But the Diamondbacks did have a couple of pretty good guys at the top of the rotation. Maybe they could pull an upset in a long series, get those guys back out there. It's kind of how I feel about the Nationals here. Oh, so you mean Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Adam Eaton? You're going to leave out Strasburg because he's an Aztec and you're trying to hurt my feelings. No, no, no. Those guys were all Diamondbacks. Oh, I see what you're saying. 
Gerardo Parra. There's a Diamondback flavor to this series? Yeah, they've got like five of them. Now, A.J. Hinch managed the Diamondbacks. Hardly anybody remembers that. But he was... How long was he there? Uh, maybe a year and a half type uh, of thing. That yeah. stability you were talking about earlier that pays off so much. Well, they sucked during that time. Yeah. It's interesting. I had a conversation the other day with an NBA coach, <clears throat> and we're talking about head coaching jobs mm-hmm. and all the stuff that goes into it and how uh, guys take jobs and uh, the, the other guys think, oh, you're two years, you're gone. Yeah. And uh, like the Cleveland job, he was telling me about, yeah, you know, this, uh, would somebody want that? And then he's, and he told me some inside information about, well, that the the owners there, somebody in charge, really has a strong connection to Michigan. Michigan, so they go out and get a college and coach, right? Bring Beelan and, in, and so he's going to be okay. But like when Hoiberg took the Bulls job, it was a dead end roster and. Don't take that. And all. it was fascinating to listen to him tell me about all this backroom st- stuff about jobs and what makes a good job, and what goes into a good job, and all that stuff. And and uh, you know when Hinch got that job, the Diamondbacks were in all sorts of disarray, and he got run very quickly. And then he gets into a, a situation that's just an absolute gold mine in Houston. Because there's only been like six teams in MLB history who've won 100 games three years in a row, and the Astros are one of them, and they really don't look like they're going to be slowing down for the next three to four years. Well, it's a mix of invest in all the young guys, but then bring in stars at the top. You don't try to grow the whole roster. Well, the internally. pitchers, but the the lineup is internal. Yeah, to a large degree. But go get yourself a Verlander. Well, they got Verlander and Cole and Granky, And there you go. Hello, World Series. All of them were from other teams. Do you know Garrett Cole, his sister, is married to Brandon Crawford, the Giants shortstop? How about that? Didn't know that. Yeah, it's also a, it's all a UC Los Angeles connection. Cole and Crawford played there. As did Trevor Bauer, but for whatever reason, Cole and Bauer don't like each other. And in no surprise, the Bruins won the College World Series that year. Huh. (laughs) Explain to us why. Never mind. We got great players. Oh, uh, we talked briefly about the Patriots seven and zero again. They blow out the Jets thirty three to nothing. Their defense—they're giving up like seven points a game on average, and the Niners are giving up eleven. I know it's quarterbacks and throw it around, but the defensive guys have caught up again. Those are remarkably low numbers, and not surprisingly, well, guess got, who's undefeated? Got Kyle Van Not. <laughs> not Van Oy Van Not. Yeah, shutting you down. Yeah. I saw somebody put it out there that he's potential defensive player of the year. Matt Miller from Bleacher. Is that where it was? Yep. Yeah, I know. I just saw it and somebody threw it out there. I retweeted it. That's probably what it was. A little early for that. He's got two defensive touchdowns this year, all kinds of turnovers. Yeah, that's awesome for him. What a a phenomenal story he is. I mean, the whole story of the Kyle Van Oy thing is just great. DJ and PK, that is what we have been talking about all morning long. And it is brought to you in part by the good folks. And I've lost it. At Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. Your feedback's coming up next.
These U fans are a bunch of babies. Bradley and I was throwing punches in the rivalry game. Every team does it. It's not dirty. It's football. I would love for ASU Utah to be the South version of Washington versus Oregon. And if it takes Utah fans mistakenly thinking Herm Edwards is dirty, I mean, give me a break, then let's roll with it. Let's heat this rivalry up. For Seahawks fans, the excuse is it's always the refs. Always the refs. It's never the play. Doesn't matter what they did during the game. Always the refs. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Any chance ASU Utah is going to heat up, PK? Sure. The Utes were pretty fired up. Yeah. It was payback. You asked that question at the Monday press conference, and I think you asked it Tuesday. We talked to Lucky Lucky Foe, too. And it was kind of a little bit, it kind of played it down, and it was really clear that, yeah, actually, that was a big deal. They just didn't want to say it early in the week. It's not going to be, you're not going to have a rivalry with SC. Right. But was ASU and Utah, I can see where ASU, Utah was bitter about what happened a year ago, and you can be bitter about this last game. It works, yeah. And when you start to take something away from somebody else, that's when rivalries get juiced up. And that's why everybody gets fired up for SC, because SC is forever taking stuff away from other people and winning way more than their share of titles. But they don't really get that bitter at anybody else. They got too many. They got Notre Dame and UCLA, and that's plenty. Right. That's plenty. Right. And other people don't take stuff away from them often enough. If they did, then they would. You know, if somebody else can win the South, you know, four times in five years, SC would start getting fired up for them. Well, it's a conference game. We're in our ninth year, man. You're going to start building these things. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. Uh, we did talk earlier about the point spread and the Utes being favored by 19, and we had Jeff Ferrado on, publisher of Cal Maven, covers the Cal Bears, and he ran down the not just the quarterback injury, which actually is enough to do it all. Quarterbacks. Himself. Yeah, uh, but it's quarterback injuries become quarterbacks injuries. Said he wasn't clear on whether Monster was going to be able to go or not. And on top of that, the O-line's been shredded by injuries, so whoever's back there is going to be running for their life, and that combination with a really good Utah front four just spells major trouble. It just sounds like Cal's O-line is going to be uh, overwhelmed. And uh, Don says, hey, Oregon State got nine sacks on Cal. I agree with the line. Utah by 19. So do I. Yeah. Kind of a disappointment because that looked like it could have been a really good game earlier in the year. And Cal started 4-0, but now they're 0-3. Uh, agreed, yeah. A grand total of 41 points in the three games combined. I'll do the math for you. That's a little less than 14 points a game. Yeah, so. it's not near good enough, obviously. Nope. All right, Kent's at Technoglass. He joins us now. Kent, good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, We've got an amazing deal for all Zone listeners until noon today. It's not going to get any better than this. It's the last promotion of the year. $99 windshield, $75 labor install, over 85% of the vehicles qualifying. Guys, also comes with our national workmanship warranty. Now, your listeners don't have to get it done today. All they have to do is call before noon and schedule a time that's convenient for them. Could be a week out, a month out. Call now to get that $99 windshield with $75 labor install only until noon. Call now, 801-562-2200, 801-562-2200. Back to you guys. All right, thank you, Kent. There's Kent from Technoglass. Find Technoglass online, technoglass.com. You can find all the locations there at their website. Find one near you, near your work. You can also call them at 801-562-2200, 801-562-2200.